Welcome to We Hear Her. I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and I'm here today with another amazing woman who is sharing her story and insights into life lessons learned. Hi, I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and welcome to the We Hear Her podcast for Women Who Succeed. I am I'm thrilled today to have President Dobkin from Westminster College be here with us to talk about all the exciting changes that are coming their way in the future, what they provide to the community, and to also get to know, um, as President likes to be called, Beth, uh, about all the things and life experiences that she's bringing to um, our great community. So let me tell you a little bit about her background. First of all, Dr. Bethany Dobkin was appointed the 19th president of Westminster College in 2018. During her first three years, Westminster College achieved national recognition for work on sustainability and support for first-generation students, and as a leader promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dobkin has raised over 10 million for capital projects, led successful and rapid institutional responses to COVID-19 pandemic and latched and launched an ambitious strategic positioning plan. Westminster at 150. She currently serves as the board of directors for the Economic Development Corporation of Utah and the Salt Lake Chamber. In addition, the board of governors and is chair of the nominations and governance committee for the Salt Lake Utah Committee for the Games. And as a member of the is a member of the International Women's Forum and a new, well not new, two years I guess, for women who succeed. Uh, Dobkin's publications span academic journals, widely used textbooks, and popular editorials on politics, journalism, and communication. Prior to her presidency, Dr. Dobkin served as Provost and Vice President of Academic Affairs at St. Mary's College of California and as a teacher and administrator at the University of San Diego. She holds a PhD and MA from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and a BA from Humboldt State University. So thank you so much, President, for being here today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. This is such a um, busy, busy time, and I was so thrilled that you were able to fit us into your schedule to talk about all the neat things that are happening at Westminster. Where to begin? I'd love first if you could share a little bit about where you're from and kind of your academic path that led you to being president of a, an amazing institution here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you. Well, I am a native Californian, mm -hmm. which can be a little difficult to admit in Utah, but it's true. <laughs> it's true, it's okay. It's we won't true. tell anyone except for everyone <laughs> watching the podcast. Right, right. Uh, spent most of my uh, younger years growing up in a somewhat rural part of Northern California, the way north, mm. um, Humboldt County, and learned very early on that I was interested in, in solving problems in a way that brought people together. So the background, if I think back, I, I've done all kinds of things, whether it's working in retail, um, from clothing to high-end things, to working in legal offices and those kinds of things. One of my earlier memories, though, is teaching and being about six years old, lining up the stuffed animals in my room and pretending I was a teacher. There we go. So there was something very early on that suggested that bringing education to others was something that would motivate me. And that grew into an interest in world affairs and international relations and the role of media in figuring out how we make decisions, which ultimately led me to my doctoral work. Wow. So do you, how much, what is it like 
as the leader of such an impressive institution to um, certainly to know, you have to know, I mean, the decisions you make on a day-to-day -day basis are affecting so many lives, not just your students and faculty, but the ripple effect from that. But you don't get that direct one-on-one -on -one time teaching specifically. Do you find a way to um, carve out or a deliberate way that you engage with students on campus to keep you connected to those kind of grassroots reasons that you got in? That's a really good question and it is something that I'm always trying to think of different ways I might learn from our students and be able to engage with them. So whether it's doing guest lectures and classes, mm -hmm. which I've done, or visiting classes, or actually teaching. There are, there are things I do regularly, like teaching a morning spin class, that sometimes the, the, the best moments are when a group of students, such as our track team, comes and decides to participate in that class. So it's not a traditional teaching exercise, but it gives them a chance to get to know me on a little different level than a figurehead or someone that seems very remote and distance, and I really enjoy that. I bet, because that uh, genuine relationship that you're building with these students, they get to see you as a human being. Right. Um, it makes it, I think, more approachable, the, the institution as a whole, whether you're a freshman or a senior uh, or graduate student, when you're going through those courses, the rigors of testing and exams, I remember thinking like, does my professor even get what I'm going through? Do they even understand how hard this is? So I'm sure that that extra effort that you make connecting with the students helps kind of bring their stress level down, I would think. Yeah, I think it does. And it also happens when we welcome new students or students who've been admitted. Mm. One of the favorite encounters I had just recently, just this last year, was giving a presentation to students who were visiting the college and wanted to know a little bit about what we offer and why Westminster is so unique. Mm -hmm. And I remember I decided to talk about my own academic journey and what it's like to be at an institution that focuses on the liberal arts, which means that you may not know entirely what you want to do, but even if you do, you have the opportunity to explore. So I was explaining that one of my favorite courses as an undergraduate was taking a course in calligraphy, not because I was going to be an artist, mm -hmm. but because it taught me to look at things differently. And I still remember that professor saying, don't focus on the black marks on a page, focus on the space between. Oh, wow. That's and if cool. You, if you start looking at art, and he wouldn't let us use an alphabet we knew. We had to use a language mm. or an alphabet we didn't know so that we could literally have to write to look at space differently. And I was explaining to a student that of all the things I've done, you know, you, you remember those things, and that's part of the power of a liberal arts education is then you see the connections between something that didn't seem related and how it might actually inform something else that you want to do. And afterwards, there was a young woman who came up to me and said, excuse me, she was very tentative, excuse me, can I ask you a question about, about what you did? And I said, absolutely. And she said, that sounds fascinating, that's exactly what I want to do, but does it cost more? <laughs> and I had to say, no, no, this is part of the total experience. This is what you get when you come to a place like Westminster. And just having that, that sweetness, that level of engagement to be able to say, no, no, this is who we are. And if this is what you're looking for, think yeah, you might want to be here. I love the uh, concept or how you described um, that varied perspective mm -hmm. that 
there is a different side to it. There is another way to look at it. Let's be curious about what we're exploring here and that love of embracing something that's not just the status quo. Mm -hmm. um, tell me how that relates to some of the amazing initiatives that you and uh, your team has put forth regarding diversity and inclusion at Westminster because you've really been on the forefront of that. And I'd love to, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts towards that. At a very basic level, if you have a commitment to meet students where they are, mm -hmm. that means you need to understand who they are and all their very dimensions and experiences. So you don't get to pick and choose that you only want to pay attention to one part of mm -hmm. who a person is. You need to truly take the time and effort to develop the empathy and understanding of what they're bringing to you and how to bring that into their passions and their goals. Westminster does that from the moment a student visits campus to the way they put together their academic programs. So it could be that you decide you want to do a biology degree, but you're really interested in art. How can we put that together? For instance, we have a student who ended up doing biomedical illustration. Oh, wow. That's the kind of thing that I think Westminster excels in doing, is bringing students with everything they bring us and who they are, uh, honoring it, respecting it, learning how to empathize, not being threatened by it and needing to close mm -hmm. things down, but in fact embracing all those perspectives and seeing how can they be woven together, how can they be aligned with the students' passions, their career goals, and their academic programs. Wow. So individualized and so integrated and holistic. That's what we aim to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because you have such incredible both vision, responsibility, um, the weight of so many people's futures really on decisions that you and your team make, how do you get to go have fun? And <laughs> I've enjoyed doing a couple of social things with you and your husband and you guys are so down to earth and so cool. Like is she really a president <laughs> of a university? But tell me a little bit about what you what you do to blow off steam, what you what you do for fun. Besides well, work, as my son says, Mom, <laughs> you need a hobby, and work does not count as a hobby. <laughs> no, and and sometimes when we try to take hobbies into a profession, it destroys the hobby. And yeah. I just say that because uh, anyone who knows me, even somewhat, knows that my passion is horses and equestrian mm -hmm. activity. And there was a point when I was much younger where I thought, oh, being a horse trainer or being an Olympic rider or those kinds of things mm -hmm. would be fantastic. And then realized pretty quickly, but that turns it into work, work. that mm -hmm. takes away some of the joy and freedom of having it still be a passion without it being my, my primary uh, career path. Mm -hmm. And definitely going, we'll be going, we just did a, a ride last weekend in Valley of Fire down in Nevada, which was phenomenal. We will be camping for the Desert Blooms later in March, at the yeah. end of March. That is, for me, the way to be out in the world, limited contact with uh -huh. electronics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being connected to an animal that, that really depends on you for trust and security and also has all the, the um, freedom and joy in one bundle. Oh. That's it for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. So you're very nature oriented, the appreciation of being in the outdoors and um, that connection sounds like it's an important part of how you're clearing, clear your head and 
It is, and it's one of the re one of the things that brought us to Utah. Mm -hmm. In addition to, to being at a great institution, the environment that we're in is spectacular. Oh, good. Well, so let, we're getting off the horse and coming <laughs> out of paradise and back in Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> Tell us what is in store for Westminster. Well, we have we're breaking ground on a new facility this afternoon. Yeah, that's which, fantastic. Which is our integrated wellness center. And that really grows out of some planning that we did during the pandemic to really put a focus on wellness. When we mm. talk about taking care of ourselves and provide services for students, often those students, students, uh, those, those students are in some kind of crisis we need to respond to. And we've increased our services there immensely. At the same time, healthy living, living well, and knowing how to meet the challenges of multiple stressors, whether it's um, learning how to prepare meals in a way that understands food and nutrition, understanding personal finances and how to, mm -hmm. to make sure that that doesn't contribute to your stress, knowing what kind of resources are available, what you have and how to use them. Those kinds of things come together in a, in a way of, of living well that the Integrated Wellness Center will support. Where is it at on campus? That will be on 13th. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So apologies in advance for the cranes that are going to show up on 13th eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's Salt Lake. What else would we expect? Construction. Right, right. So, so that's pretty exciting. And, and really, we've been driving toward, when we mentioned Westminster 150, we've got a sesquicentennial coming up. We will be 150 years old. When we reach 150, we will also be Westminster University which is wonderful. It really showcases the great work that our faculty and students do in their research and creative activity that has impact far and beyond our little campus. Mm, that is so spectacular. So one of the things that I love about Westminster, uh, in addition to this international reputation and footprint that you have, is just small things, it, because it's in my community, little things, that I, little nuggets I like to know. For example, the number of students that are on scholarship at Westminster is amazing. Um, that Olympic athletes, you have a pretty high population of student of Olympic athletes that are students at your institution. And then on a little tiny small level, I have to tell you one of my very favorite things is I love the purple trees in the winter. <laughs> I love them so much. That campus is so aesthetically beautiful and so neighbor right in the neighborhood um, and those glowing beautiful purple trees and I just think it's a real gem for what we have in Salt Lake I think it's kind of just under your leadership becoming so much more recognized and known and I'm curious about how conscious that planning and decision was the marketing and messaging both in Utah and and beyond of what a spectacular resource this is. Oh, it's all intentional. And oh, all yeah, designed for sure. To, you know, make sure that people know who we are, what we do, and the strength of what we provide. That the the it's interesting that you mentioned that the trees, because during the pandemic we were thinking about what can bring light and joy, and had a lighting celebration of Converse Hall mm. in the front of campus, and uh, we're we're just amazed at how many people turned out for that simple event, because. Finding some source, if we think about the metaphor of light coming through learning, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be doing that as far and wide as we can. I love that. Well, it definitely impacts me, makes me happy. <laughs> Good. And it's just vibrancy. Mm -hmm. You know, the campus feels 
active and vibrant, whether I'm driving past, whether I'm visiting a class. I, I've guest spoken a couple of times in a couple of your classes and um, the students, it's just busy and talkative and it feels healthy. And I think what an incredible um, blessing we have to have you to have you right here in our own in our own little backyard. Thank you. So, anything else that you'd like to share with us um, in the in the next say five years that we should know about or keep in mind or watch for with Westminster? I think you should be watching for even more impact of the research that our students do, particularly with faculty. Mm. That's what we're known mm -hmm. for. They do it, or one of the things we're known for. It begins from the moment they start on campus. We have a student showcase every April now that where you can see the professional identities that students are developing and the contributions that they're making. Uh, there are lots of other events too that are worth coming to. The new performing arts facility that we have is really showcasing the talents of our students and the performances they do. I would love to have more community members come attend mm -hmm. those as well as the lectures and high profile events that we have. All of this is really a continuation on this of this momentum that we are building that I hope other people will help us participate and celebrate. I love that. So even if they are not alum, they are not a student, oh, they're a community member, get on the website, look at the calendar of events, and, and come. Uh, definitely come, come see out. Us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Do you have any uh, advice uh, for young women as they're making their decisions for post-secondary education? Um, fears of financial debt, fears of I don't have all this figured out yet. What guidance or advice could you give to a, a young woman that may be hearing our podcast today? There are often ways to achieve your dreams that aren't known to you until you pursue them. Mm. So pursue them. And I'm thinking about even just a student that came to me it's been a, maybe two years now, who was thinking about moving off campus, and we have a, a residency requirement for the first two years, but was worried that, well, if I, if I stay on campus, I might have to take out $1,000 of debt, and maybe going home would be better. Mm. And I asked the student, do you enjoy living on campus? Well, yes. Have you found community here? Yes. Um, do you feel like you are learning how to live independently in a way that gives you the opportunities to do more things once you graduate? Yes. Okay, and how much do you think you'll be making when you graduate? And the student said, well, you know, average, average salary for my profession is, and I don't remember exactly what mm -hmm. it was at the time. And I said, well, Please know that you can make an investment now. You can inve make investments later, but if you do it now, the returns are going to be incredible once you graduate. And obviously, you are torn by this decision and the expenses far less than you may realize in the grand scheme of your life plan. Mm -hmm. I'd think really carefully about whether it's worth it to take on just that little bit extra mm -hmm. to be able to pursue your dreams. We hear too many scare stories about these outrageous amounts of debt that mm -hmm. students have, and some do, particularly mm -hmm. in the graduate programs. It's mm -hmm. mostly driven by the graduate programs. Mm -hmm. If you are a young woman wanting to pursue your, your passions in a supportive environment where you can see the results of what you're studying almost, I mean, very quickly, don't be afraid to come let us help you figure out how to make this manageable. And we can do it.
you're so diplomatic. I would have been like, you need to stay on campus. <laughs> it's just, you know, I love the finesse um, in how you describe, you know, I'm sure the conversation was actually very, very similar to what you just said. And we do see that young people um, really do so much better and have such a higher success rate of graduation if they're able to um, live on campus or near campus so that there's that that camaraderie, that collective culture and feeling of we're in this together and there's support systems um, around them. So, well, I like to tell them for what it's worth. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I worked on the same campus where my daughter was going to school mm. and there was a residence requirement. Now, a lot of times, if you're living close by, people will say, well, let's just stay at home. And particularly as a mother, oh, I want to keep my, my children close. And I said, no, you're going to live on campus and you're not going to come home until Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Yes, I like it. That's good parenting. So, well, you know, not everyone would say so. But for <laughs> me, that was, uh, you know, I said, you can't, you're not coming home. So no coming home to do your laundry. No mom's cooking meals. You need to stay here until Thanksgiving. So, and, and as I said, I worked on campus. She came by my office, and I didn't, didn't see her daily or anything like that, mm -hmm. but she came by my office one day in October and knocked on the door and said, Mom, I want a care package. Oh, <laughs> she knows how to play it. Like, <laughs> then I need so, a care package if uh, I yeah, can't go home. Okay, that's if fair. If I can't go home exactly. and do grocery shopping in the cupboards, exactly. then I need you to give me exactly. a care package. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But to mm -hmm. your point, the experience that, that they're getting from managing all of that in a supportive environment is really part of growing up that is so important. Is there any, is there a characteristic or trait that you think that your daughter walks away with that says, you know, my mom is blank? What would she say? Oh, I know what I hope she'd say. Okay, we could <laughs> go with that one. <laughs> oh. My mom is supportive. Um, impressive, sometimes scary, <laughs> but I love her. Oh, I love that. Well, President Dobkin, thank you so much for being here today. That's that's the perfect summary right there. <laughs> You're so down to earth. You're so um, genuine and authentic. And at the same time, just a powerhouse and taking Westminster to the next level and, and surrounding yourself with a team of really uh, intelligent, brilliant people, which is a tribute to you as well. So thank you for being in our community. Thanks for being part of Women Who Succeed. Hope you enjoyed being here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. Well, again, thank you for joining us for the We Hear Her podcast from Women Who Succeed. And I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray. We'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more about Women Who Succeed at womenwhosucceed.org.